since episode one right <laughs> first thing we're already recording the recording oh, button excellent. has been pressed excellent we are, we are moving right along Woo. uh secondly uh we we had some uh uh a commentary uh from an outside source who listened to the show who listened to episode one and uh pointed out to me uh and i feel so uh bad that that we completely glossed over this uh footloose we forgot to mention footloose it's the connective tissue between Caddyshack and Top Gun in the Kenny Loggins music universe. Well, this is true. This is true. Yeah. So we this got, we, you know, we, we, we just, I don't know how I went blank on that because I was well, just like, I don't know. yeah, I don't know either. It was on the other night uh, on the Paramount Network and I caught about 20 minutes of it. Um, Shout out to Paramount Network. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor us. Um, no, that's a good point though. Um, you know, uh, because he did have that thread of music through through the 80s. He kind of like if you were making a soundtrack of the 80s, he would have several hits. Oh, yeah. I think on that list. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're the Lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. This is a show where we uh, do we talk about movie. What do we do? Is it just we're just. Well, I, I think we talk a little bit about everything. I think mostly we just talk. But uh, <laughs> I, I think our central focus is movies. Right. That, that, that's yes. the glue that holds us together. Right. Um, yes. Yes. As, as we are as we are professionals in 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 in, in that it is true I, you know i i i uh, you know. uh i don't like to pull out the letters whenever uh you know i mean i it's, it's a sparing use right is is what i do it's very rarely does the that's dr watson you know very rarely does that so you, are you telling me you don't pull out? out that card come on mm-hmm. man like every now and no then. i don't i mean it's got to be very strategic, you know, yeah. and it's usually when I'm in like a retail situation, you know, like mm-hmm. where they're getting my name or something and they're kind of being rude Starbucks? to me and I go, yes, like it's, it's doctor, it's doctor Watson. <laughs> and they, you know, they don't know, right. That could be an MD could be right. I mean, it's just whatever. Right. But the tone completely shifts whenever you yeah. do that. Um, so, but, so, but I don't, I've, I've only done that a few times, you know, and it's only because of when I've been at the height of my like patience, you know, um for uh waiting for a product or something it's like it's actually doctor what's the shirt you're rocking uh i'm rocking halloween today yeah and it just just it was in the wash it was clean it was it was was clean uh it was clean that's pretty much what i do jeff um i uh (laughs) i I look in my closet and i go that's clean i'll wear it it's the first available right so there's a series of dodger jerseys there's a series of laker jerseys series of saints jerseys those are usually in any kind of various combo form yeah pretty simple uh today mm-hmm. on the show we are going to be discussing two movies uh he and i uh again watched uh separate movies i'm, I'm beginning to feel like this is cut might might be the direction we're going i don't know mm-hmm. maybe, or we, maybe at so. some point we'll yeah. watch the same movie i don't know yeah, boring. It's like a special episode, you know. Yeah. Oh, they watch the <laughs> same thing. Oh my God, what's that? Is happen? our that is our after school special? Yes, right. I can right. I can completely deal with that. Uh, today on the show, I watched the Batman, and uh, Doctor Watson uh, chose a film that at first I thought it was a joke title, and then I actually looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's not kidding. Uh, the fish that <laughs> saved. <laughs> The fish that saved Pittsburgh. It's true. So, so 
<laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'll I'll lead off here uh, uh, with with the Batman, not a Batman or Batman. It is the Batman. Uh, which is I that like the Ohio State University? Is that like when people I, do I think that? so. Yeah, the like Ohio I was State, no. I was just struggling with it, you know, right <laughs> off the jump, man, from the title card, and I was just kind of like I started thinking about myself and just like. Hmm. The Batman? Well, that's a bit arrogant. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little presumptuous. A little presumptuous. Uh, looking at you, Adam West. But uh, yeah, so so let me ask you, have you seen the film? I have. You have. So do you have a really good Paul Dano Riddler impression? No. No. I know you're no. you're 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 known far and wide for your Bane impression, but <laughs> So I had to check. I had to check because it was the one thing towards the end of, of this film, he uncorks that there will be blood preacher to like the full extent. And it's kind of, it's a little much, you know, <laughs> it's a little too over the top, you know, but I mean, again, we're, we're, I know, you know, he's playing the Riddler, but it's just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it kind of, kind of almost spoiled the performance overall uh, uh, to me because I thought he was going to try to, you know, it just, he had, <laughs> they had done so well so far, but then I, I was going back through the movie and I was just like, no, nah, he ratchets that voice up under all that tape uh, a couple times, you know, uh, uh, kind of like that scene in, in, uh, in dark, you know, in dark night was just like, listen to me, uh, you know, <laughs> Something, something along those lines. But uh, I, you know, I'm gonna say uh, uh, here, I think that this is a a a perfect movie for the teenage demographic. I think that this is a a perfect gateway film into getting curious about film. I mean, it's just so professionally done. Like, there's no. <laughs> there are no tricks there there's no you know and I was, as i kept watching it and i had my notepad and i was kind of you know gonna go through i was like no no just this is pretty straightforward like this is there's no you know i mean there's even you know his mission statement goes all the way down to gadgets basically i mean it's just like uh maybe the you know gun thing that he pulls himself up on and of course you know the bitch and camaro batmobile but it, it, it's uh you know, it's, it's, it's fairly practical. I mean, what, what, what do you think? I mean, when, and when I say a gateway film, I, I just mean, I imagine if I had seen this film when I was like 15 years old, mm -hmm. I would have just been like, Oh my God, this is holy moly. Like, this is my heat. You know what I mean? Like this is, I, and I think that this is the best compliment that I can really give this film. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I didn't, um, uh, I didn't dislike really anything in the movie that they did. I thought it was a nice sort of little hodgepodge of a lot of different Batmans that we've seen. Like it had mm -hmm. little elements of, of all of the touches or, or a lot of the touches of, of, uh, of Batman in it. Um, it was really nice to be immersed in that world again mm -hmm. um and i thought they did such a nice job of world building for for that for that particular iteration of batman mm -hmm. cinematography was really some people were complaining it was too dark and i you know i was just like okay you don't understand cinematography i mean it's just mm -hmm. it was just a great 
uh, world building two and a half hour experience. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I thought Robert Pattinson was fine. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have any issues. Uh, Batman broods. So it, it, it works, um, you know, and um, yeah, I, I didn't really have any super complaints about it, um, to be honest with you. And I thought it kind of reinvigorated the, the franchise a little bit, which had really been pretty dormant. I mean, outside mm -hmm. of the animation stuff that DC's been doing, which is phenomenal. But mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I thought it was a kind of a great little, what do we call this a reboot? They, 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 that word is being used, but I, you know, I really just feel like I don't, I don't think that any of these, well, I can't say for Marvel because we haven't seen a character turnover yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, no, that's not true. Cause we've got uh, uh, Sam's the new captain America. Um, mm -hmm. although mm -hmm. they've really they've kind of buried that, I, you know, disappointingly, I, I, I expected something by now, but you know, it, it's, it's, they, they have not moved forward with that. Um, uh, they're too busy counting the money that they've made from everything else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and everything that will come this year, I think Thor is a Thor up next again. Is it Thor? I think is coming up next. Um, yeah. Maybe we need to go. Maybe that'll be our first, our first, uh, 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 joint venture. Oh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I probably, I mean, if you want to do that, I, I am going to go see that Thor movie. Um, but you know, we have of course opinions about this, um, mm -hmm. largely because our students, you know, we teach film. And so gotcha. a, a lot of our students, oh, the Marvel like, all they want to do. Yeah. Like all they want to do is, is talk MCU and and yeah. um, it really gives you an idea of, you know, the MCU has really been pushing them out mm -hmm. for quite a while, a whole generation now. And so yeah. these kids are in college now and that, you know, that's really what they want to delve into. And so, you know, um, we, we probably have a predisposition to being like annoyed to have to talk about it a little bit, but yeah. um, DC has struggled, right? I mean, I yes. think that's fair to say. Um, and they have not kept up. And so in, in terms of doing it the right way, having the production pipeline done the right way, having the right talent behind the movies, uh, Marvel's done I, it I would, right. DC's yeah, and behind. I, I wouldn't say as much as struggle as, as use the word clusterfuck uh, is, is really the word I would, I would grasp towards because I, I've been a D, I was a DC kid. Uh, growing up in the eighties, uh, you know, the Frank, you know, Frank Miller starting from, you know, dark Knight on up, which is still haunting reboots to this day. I mean, this has got year one flashes in it, you know, it's got a lot of year one flavor to it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been, I, I, they just can't seem to, to grab And maybe this is, and I want to ask you this, you know, I, I had not seen any of Matt Reeves's previous work. I know he did the the Apes franchise, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just kept thinking to myself, I was like, you know, even though I haven't watched any of those Apes movies, um, he he strikes me as as like the the like a really like the next big studio director. Like mm -hmm. it's like you can give him $150 million and give him a property and he's gonna go off and you know, give you, you know, you're going to make your money back. You're going to get three films and they're going to be really competent. Yeah, and gonna... and let's face it. That's just, that's the testament to how to make it in, in, in Hollywood. Right. I mean, mm. uh, Gareth Edwards is another one that I would toss out into that mix of, mm -hmm. of folks, you know, from Godzilla to Rogue One to, you know, I mean, he, he's done some great work with big budgets too, but you're right. 
uh, I think that he was the right person to helm um, this uh, this reboot. Um, and um, I would encourage you to check out the Apes, the reboot of the the, the Apes franchise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, no no complaints there. Did did uh, how, what did you think of Catwoman? Um, it's, it's, uh, she's there again as, as more a, it seemed like it was just there, like her and, and also, uh, 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 the penguin and man, shout out to Colin Farrell. What a great, you can't, one, you can't recognize him under whoever did that latex is incredible. Um, it, it was a very good latex and, you know, his, I mean, he just, he just leaned into that you know, Hey, Hey, you know, he just, he did such a good job with it. Um, but it became very apparent that they were setting up people for something else. Like, uh, you know, she's going to Bloodhaven, which for comic book people, you know, that's where Nightwing actually, uh, uh, lives and patrols. Um, so although that doesn't matter at this point, because there is no Robin because Batman's only been Batman for like two years. So, uh you know uh that that that's the bigger question here is just like will they continue to do these quote unquote contained standalone films instead of integration with and again it seems to be working for the way that their system is set up you know i i i saw the uh the release about the second uh, todd phillips uh uh film uh is going to happen uh, have not watched the first one. Uh, not yet. Really? Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it's, it's a good, I mean, I couldn't even get around to this one till now, you know, I was just like, I'm, mm. I'm usually with these properties just because again, they've just been around so long. Mm-hmm. And as you and I were just talking about, it's just like, well, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, I've really got to commit to sit down to it. And I don't, again, <laughs> as we were talking about Top Gun, you know, last, last time, it's just like, this is not a snobbish approach. This is more an approach of going, I ha- I'm looking for the, for the things that, 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 you know, not only for myself, but also for students uh, and also for listening public, you know, it's just right. like, you know, what can we get into? What can we really dissect just a little bit more? If you want to like, you know, caddy review of the film, you know, go, is Rex Reed still alive? I don't, I don't even know. I don't you know, know. Just go, <laughs> is he still out there? Probably. I, yeah, I, yeah, you know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, saying um, words like boffo and uh, bozo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for like serious plot breakdowns and stuff like that, that's probably somebody else. I think we're more interested as particularly with this film, we're more interested mm-hmm. with the larger sort of conversation um, and it is harder, I think, for for us because we have had so much exposure to the franchise and its stories over mm-hmm. the last 80 years. And, and uh, not that we've been around that long, but we've read on, and watched a lot of that stuff that came yeah. before us as well. And um, so it's really hard for me to sit down and go, oh, that's new right that's fresh you know i mean it's it's really hard for me to do that as it is probably for the i mean i would be as a filmmaker as well i would Mm -hmm. say yes of course but if somebody said here's a hundred million dollars go make a batman movie i would say it's probably scared shitless because there's been so much done and how do you put your unique spin on it how do you make Mm -hmm. it yours uh while at the same time paying respect to what other fans like us are going to be anticipating or bringing to the table once they walk into that theater, you know, and it's a number of years of experience reading comics, watching TV shows, watching animated movies, watching the features, 
um, you know, we've been exposed to it all. And so I think every DC character over the last 10 years has really struggled with that to a large extent. I mean, Wonder Woman did well. Um, Aquaman uh, did okay. Aquaman made a lot of money, you know. Yeah, still haven't haven't seen it. But I mean, but I mean, uh, you know, they've, they've, you're right, they've done these kinds of standalone things. And I think it's been, you know, we've been circling the wagons around what I think most people would call the Zack Snyder problem (laughs) with DC. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of people feel Justice League was done the wrong way and it wasn't sort of integrated in the same way that the MCU did their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would agree with that. I mean, I think they did. DC missed the, you know, they missed the boat and they were, they've really been playing catch up for the last 10 years, like trying to match, you know, the energy and the consistency of what, um, of what Disney and Marvel have been doing, but mm-hmm. um, they're, they're not, there doesn't seem to be any grand scheme or grand plan. Of course, you know, they don't call us and discuss us, discuss mm-hmm. these things with us. So right. you know, who, who knows, maybe there is, and we just, you know, we're just not privy to it, but, uh, but you're right. It's these standalone kind of pick and pop things that they seem to be sort of resting their, um, their laurels on and it's working fine right now, I think. I right. Mean, and I, I would even go as far as like, if it was a comparison, I'd just be like, so they're going graphic novel, you know, instead of, yeah. you know, month to month like they're just which which is great i think right because i think you would agree you're much more of an aficionado in the comic world than i am Mm -hmm. and but i think you would agree that there are plenty of stories there that could be mined and told standalone you know kinds of things Uh, so he plucked all kinds of ideas from all kinds of books um in 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 the way that he was organizing things like Mm -hmm. it was okay this this happens and this happens and you know so on and so forth but um, without getting too much into that, you know, I, I also want to say that I feel that, and again, why, I'm, why I'm, my whole point about uh, why I'm talking about this movie is that I, again, I think that this is a is, this is a great movie that gets people into other movies, um, and especially young people. This will get them into if they want to go down that rabbit hole. This will get them maybe into some crime films. Maybe this will get them into some, you know uh 70s thrillers maybe you know i mean it's just like it's got it's got that kind of you know stamp on it uh Mm -hmm. a little bit and you know i I applaud matt reeves for that because i bet that warner brothers was a little bit nervous about this movie because it was just like where's the gadgets where's the you know where's where's money and he's just oh it's there you know it's like i'm just i've given a a well-paid you know film but i i will say that um, this film was the first one in a while that made me go, uh, and even though I watched it at home, and I am going to propose this, and this is not a unique proposal, uh, you know, let's really start thinking about intermissions uh, at, at, at these event movies. I mean, and again, this is an old idea as old as Hollywood, you know, back mm-hmm. when they used to own their own movie theater chains. And, you know, this was for the big, you know, cinema scope spectacles and the musicals, you know, they'd have, they'd have, a, they'd have an intermission and it kind of gives right. you a chance to take 10 minutes to go to the bathroom get something to drink stretch your legs think about it you know maybe if you don't like the film you leave at that point uh you know things like that and and i'm not saying every movie needs you know these as movies are now for some reason trending longer um because it kind of is counterintuitive to the model of you know turn and burn them out of 
know, these 18 multiplexes. It's just like, you know, then it comes, well, all 18 screens are one three hour and 10 minute, you know, film uh, to, to, to do that. And that's just not, you know, good for business, in my, you know, in my opinion. I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's about intermissions and, and things of that nature. Well, I think that uh, it wouldn't be, I mean, obviously it would, it would disrupt um, our, our contemporary idea of going to the movies, right? Um, because we haven't mm -hmm. had anything like that in a while. Um, but I don't think it would be necessarily unusual because we're used to having the power and the control in home viewing. So to, to pause, stop, rewind, you know, to, to be able to control the flow. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't think it's a bad idea um, because you're right. For some reason, they're trending longer. And, and I could go in and complain about certain movies that are 245, 230. They could easily be 210 or less if they took out, you know, if they did a, a tighter trim. But I don't know. Um, this particular movie, Batman, the Batman, um, I... I I didn't really, the time length didn't really bother me as much. And mm -hmm. I guess it was because they were doing such a good job of world building. And it was just mm -hmm. nice to be back in that world uh, for mm -hmm. a while. Um, and, you know, I just kind of felt like I was watching seven. Uh, a oh, lot. it had the rain and, and the lighting. <laughs> it was a whole lot of Fincher going on. It's yes. like Batman and seven had a baby. And this was, you know, this was what came out. Um, you know, it just had that kind of, tone to it and when a movie's doing that so well it, it will lure me in but of course you know there's all these contextual factors as well that that play into it um i don't think i ever went to the movies and saw something that had an intermission i heard no, about not it when i was a kid i heard about not it. when or, i was a kid i mean you know you hear the stories you know that when or, or, i saw Patton, you know and, and we, well no or if you got it on vhs there would sometimes they'd keep the intermission right Right, right. They would it would actually be that part of the movie was actually recorded on the VHS. Like this is the this is the intermission. It's like okay, guys. Uh, okay, that. so um, we don't have to pause it. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Um, it was it was weird. So I never I just never had that experience, and and so uh, you know the intermission, taking breaks and stuff like that, um, is perfect for home viewing. And um, I find that I end up having to do that a lot anyway, you know, to just answer questions or to, you know, to, to talk about something in more detail um, before we keep going, you know, we only pause and, and stuff like that. So I don't think it's too weird. I don't yeah. think it's, um, I don't know if theater owners would dig it, but you would think that they would because it's like, Hey, popcorn. Right. Or, I, or yeah. you know, at this point, theater owners should be down for anything. For just about anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, come any, visit us. Yeah, come visit <laughs> us. Yes, stop by. Um, as I was talking a little bit about earlier too, you know, this is, uh, uh, uh you know, practical, practical uh, things, practical effects, uh, practical stunts, mm -hmm. uh, practical sets. Uh, looked like London to me. Yeah, uh, I didn't read up too much on it, but I saw it pretty. I saw that one tower in downtown. It's like, and I've been to London. I'm like, oh shit, they shot this in London. So they're using London as as mm. you know Gotham which I thought was interesting. And again, yeah. also changes the vibe of it from Chicago for, you know, with during Nolan's uh, uh, tenure, it was uh, mainly Chicago, but mm -hmm. um, you know, this, this movie is, is probably as expensive as it is because of, of him wanting to do the practicality, you know, and, and, and to show, you know, a great, great car chases and, you know, all, all of this stuff. Um, 
I think this is this might be one of the last ones like this, uh, especially since you know uh, 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 ILM has now invented, of course, the LCD screen. Uh, and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I think that that's not a lot of people know about this, but you know, all of those Star Wars shows are now shot basically on a soundstage in this incredible ILM LCD rigging that they've come up with. And I'll let you talk about that. The way I understand it is you use real-time gaming engines to simulate environments. So you're essentially able to see it in camera. And you're, in essence, the way Favreau was explaining it, um, you, you can just sort of swipe the screen to different environments and all of a sudden you, you can see it in camera and right so it's not green is, screen Let right me be clear. it's, it's you, a game the actor the yeah. actors are actually immersed by the set that's right it's on a giant lcd like kind of a curve would you say it's like a mini yeah it's like an art screen it's yeah. like a, it's um, like an art screen that, and anybody if you'll just google this you can see there's a documentary i think online or i think disney plus had, had, had put one out now i just it just blew my mind because i was just sitting there going you know i was still trying to wrap my head about some of the the green screen uh, innovation that marvel had pulled off you know and you know now that it's commonplace to digitally like shoot people differently and then splice them in you know which uh, uh is that also just what a nightmare i i, I just couldn't you know I mean, the, these are the folks, right, though, who are on the, the cutting edge of moving the industry forward for the last 40 some odd years, you know, ILM and, and some others have sort of led the way. And I, as a director, I can't imagine how beneficial that is for both you as a visual storyteller, but also for the actors to be able to see you know, instead of waiting for post and sending it off to special effects and they have mm -hmm. to, you know, composite the shots. And I mean, all of that is kind of being eliminated from the process mm -hmm. because you're doing it live on set. You're doing that kind mm -hmm. of real time editing and adjusting. Um, are they editing as they go? Set. Do you think that they're the editors there? Are they editing as they go now? Well, like they may not be making cuts, but I mean, they're, you know, they're making adjustments, um, you know, in real time, whereas it, it, you know, it used to have been, you were, you would shoot something on a green screen and then you would, or, or blue screen or, or, or some other kind of artificial background. And then you would in post, you would composite the shots. You would try to blend, fix the feathering, fix all of the, you know, you, and, and make it seamless. You know, I mean, if you look at early green screen work, it's really conical, you know I mean? It's really oh, yeah. over the years, it just evolved and got more and more seamless, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine how much quicker things happen and how much more liberty somebody says to be able to say, well, let's shoot this on such and such planet swipe. Okay. We're there, you know? Um, but, but yeah, it's got to reduce cost. I would think a little bit because you're just not doing practical puppets or animals or, you know, I mean, you're the star Wars is doing a little bit of that where there's, mm -hmm trying to mix a little bit right um yeah. of the of the real with the imagined but um but yeah it's gotta it's gotta save time and it's gotta save money and it's gotta just be very liberating as a storyteller to be able to just um you know just whip it up there and to actually see and make mm -hmm. camera adjustments and get i mean it's that's just gotta be obviously the the results are you know pretty remarkable so i mean it's it, just a, it also yeah, is just yeah. it's just an update to what they used to you know when they used to make studio films you know, I mean, 
everything was built on soundstage. Everything was done in lot. Everything was, you know, no more locations, no more, you know, going to, you know, uh, we got to shoot this in the desert. Uh, we'll go to Arizona, you know, and it's just like, they don't have to do that anymore. No, I mean, and, and this has of course been a, a, a more of a theoretical struggle, you know, I mean, I think any filmmaker would tell you that the more that they can manipulate and control their environment, the better mm -hmm. the, the end product. And so shooting on real locations obviously prohibits a lot of things from, from happening unless you have millions and millions of dollars, but being on a soundstage is, is for some filmmakers, the most liberating thing. Um, but with that comes the challenges of practically reproducing things. I mean, if you go mm -hmm. back and look at like Chaplin stuff, like some of the stuff that they had to orchestrate and stage so that his physical comedy would match the practical mm -hmm. effects of say walking on a ledge of a building or right. hanging onto a clock and Haroloid. Yes. Yeah. That, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just really inventive. And nowadays to think, well, okay, we need a ledge swipe and it's right there. And you can just, I mean, it's, it's Tommy, go put, Tommy, go put the, the can where he can see it. So he knows what to walk up to. There you go. We'll make I that mean, can a little gargoyle. There we go. Just color just, over that. It's just really, really remarkable. We, we, mm -hmm. um, we just can't, I just can't really fathom yet. I'm sure as that technology becomes more democratized, it'll be, you know, adapted and used in several different settings. And so it's exciting, you know, to see that it's, it's something potential that's coming on down the road, but it's, it's pretty phenomenal to see it in action. Pretty phenomenal. I'm always impressed by it. So. Well, I'm Jeffrey Hayes. This is Joseph Watson. We are some lonely PhDs. We watch a lot of films. We talk about them. See how professional I was right there. I did a wrap around with these call in radio. Wasn't that great. good? Yeah, I'm just, you know. Nice. It's like you do this for a living or something. Yeah, so, um, you know, I get a little bit better every week. Every week. <laughs> um, well, I so so that was the Batman. Um, and those were our thoughts. And now I, I am so curious. I oh, okay. <laughs> oh my lord. Uh Dr. Watson has watched the 1979 American sports fantasy comedy. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. And I I have no prepared questions for this because I have no idea what this is. So I'm just gonna yeah, let you good. roll, man. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, no, I I this was one that okay, so you know, we're in sports movies and specifically the basketball kind of subgenre. And when I did, you know, a really good deep dive on some of this stuff. Was I this one some... of those was this one of those those damn dollar movies from books a dozen that you got? Be honest. Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, it's, a, it's a little gem of a, of a movie. Um, so I guess, I guess what actually spurred this was um, two things, right? Um, uh, Adam Sandler just came out with a movie called Hustle, which oh, is the Netflix um, film. Yeah. on Netflix, sponsor us. And, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, Sandler doing more of his uh, attempts at trying to do dramatic work, but he plays a basketball sports agent. And so mm -hmm. it got, it's got me started to think about, you know, well, what, what are the really good basketball movies, you know, that, that come to mind? I mean, I think Hoosiers is probably what people point oh, to. Dear. Or, or uh, I'll even throw in there a high flying bird. Uh, Soderbergh's film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's how another yeah. gem that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of sitting on the shelf. Hoop dreams. He got game love and basketball above the rim. White man can't jump. Mm -hmm. Jordan's space jam. Those, those those kinds of things, you know, stick. I think those are the normal titles that roll off people's head. But this one 
so Hustle kind of got me thinking about the basketball movie. And then I also remember reading Bill Simons's book, uh, The Book of Basketball, where he talked about, there's a whole chapter in there on the fish that say Pittsburgh and sort of the history of the mm-hmm. film. I'd never really heard about it either. And I'm a huge NBA fan, but I'd mm-hmm. never heard about this movie. And uh, so I, I just, I just dug into it. So let me, let me do this. We're in 1979. It was at the height <laughs> of disco uh, and, and, um, and, a, and a drug culture. Let's say, let's say that. Um, but let me just tell you the cast okay. of this movie. And this may surprise you. Jonathan Winters. <laughs> yeah. Does he Stalker do, does he Channing, do like, oh my God. Debbie Allen. Right. I mean, these are not small time names. I mean, these are actors that have been, you know, yeah, quite successful before and after mm-hmm. uh, this movie. And of course, it's littered. I think the most historic part of it is that it's littered with former NBA players. So you got Marv Albert, Chick Hearn, mm-hmm. Dr. J, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Norm Nixon, Metal Arc Lemon, Spencer Haywood, Michael Thompson, Bob Lanier, Cedric Maxwell. This, it goes on and on and on. Right. Uh, so there's real NBA stars. In this movie and i don't mm-hmm. think that was very commonplace mm-hmm. uh at, at the time um it certainly was the biggest production uh that incorporated using basketball players you know into the because the nba in the 70s jeff was conceived of as a, a a bunch of thugs like it was thugs drug dealers like drug i mean they, they did i thought not that was have... I, I thought that was the aba <laughs> Well, <laughs> when the merger happened, you know, uh, all of those folks came over, you know, Dr. J started in the ABA, right? And then, then came over to the NBA. Uh, but the NBA had an image problem, for sure, um, you know, um, really up into, in, into the 80s. But so the fish is, oh, and also I should say, the soundtrack is also kind of legendary. Okay. Um, in, in fact, um, anytime somebody is on Jimmy Fallon, who is from Pittsburgh, Questlove plays the theme song for this movie when they come. Oh wow! So, but yeah, um, so it's like got these little cultural Easter egg nuggets like everywhere. But okay, so what what is this movie about? Right, strangest movie ever. Um, it's about a basketball team in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. called the Pythons, right? And they're terrible. Okay, and um, what happens is there's a 14 year old water boy who. Um, figures out he's like i've got the solution of how we can win games right so he mm-hmm. he goes to this local astrologer named mona who's played by stocker channing uh to find out how they can put the perfect zodiac team chemistry together and what they figure out is that dr j is a pisces so they decide to replace all of the team players. They, they hold public tryouts and they try to replace everybody on the team <laughs> who is under the astrological sign of Pisces, right? Okay. Um, so quickly the, you know, the team name becomes the Pittsburgh Pisces and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So they hold these tryouts. They have all these plethora of players that walk in, okay? And, and, and this is where the silliness really starts coming in, right? You have set shot, you have running hawk, you have fish stick, I mean, these are all like future G.I. Joe character names. Right? I was going to say, mean, it's just like, where's, uh, where's right? Dumbwaiter? Right. And, uh, right. And right. Yeah. He's, he, he's a bench warmer. But just about every racial stereotype 
that you can think of is represented in this new version of the of, of the team right and so obviously once the stars align and they get all the pisces on the team they start winning they become you know so it's it's like that david versus goliath we're going to overcome the sure, the sure. huge obstacle but it's a strange trip of a movie and i i don't think that something like that could really get made these days i i just don't it's just one of those rare things that that um that just was happened at the time right and i just don't think you could pull something like that off i think the only thing that it reminded me of that i kept coming back to was will ferrell's semi-pro movie <laughs> jackie um, moon you know and about the flint <laughs> tropics and stuff and the so yeah i mean which is great it's very yeah, funny it's very but um, uh, but it's obviously is echoing this kind of mood and tone uh from this movie in the 1970s Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just a, it's just a very strange experience. There's a, for example, there's a sequence where the kid Tyrone, who's mm-hmm. like 14 is driving Dr. J around Pittsburgh in a convertible Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. And they're having this dialogue conversation and nobody's talking about the fact that there's a 14 year old driving the car, like all around Pittsburgh. Like that's just not talking like why is this kid driving the car it's one of those weird movies where you just have to kind of accept the the fantastical kind of elements and if you can do that then you can kind of see and enjoy the uh the this kind of comic stuff in it um is there any is there any like i'm sorry is is there any like i guess then that makes me think of like magical realism in literature where you you have to like accept you know certain things and is there actually any like magic other than the stars aligning is there is there like something i mean it works because they're all under you know there's this there's there's a a lot in there about astrology right and about Mm -hmm. how the charts and the stars and everything have to align and so you know they do face some challenges in terms of where they're at in the zodiac and the and the cycle and whatnot (laughs) um but there's no real i mean there's no real like magical realism beyond that but it's certainly what they're what they're playing off of for Hmm. sure Um, but there's no talking fish there's no you know there's nothing like oh man if there had been a talking fish come on right right i was like where's the mascot you know like isn't there shouldn't there be like a pisces uh guy in a big hat with a big trout mouth (laughs) you know flapping around throw a basketball at him bull durham style and be like I don't know what's wrong with him tonight. He hit the fish. Yeah, I don't know where it's going next. It's a a free steak dinner. (laughs) It's a fish. Um, I, I, I just, I, I just thought it was one of those movies that you know, um, if you're a basketball person, Mm -hmm. then you know about it, but you may not have seen it, but you've heard about it simply because it has all these NBA players in it. Um, Was this geared? Was this geared towards kids? Do you think, or was it? it just had no real audience it just kind of exists like i mean it was pg so i mm -hmm. you know um i mean i think i was seven when this movie came out but i I, you know obviously i didn't see it in the theater i didn't i didn't hear about it it wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was in the local video store it might have been but i just never never saw it or came across it this would have been more of a uh uh a movie gallery movie than a blockbuster movie you know what i mean maybe even a harco drugs like it's it's sitting there on yeah. the night, like the 59 cent shelf, you yeah. know, just, just yeah. begging 
begging to be rented. Big Star Grocery Store has it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> in, the, in the bottom like right corner or something. It's got dust all over it. Um, but but would it be a big choice video? That's the that's the real question. <laughs> now this would be at RST. This would be there. <laughs> I um I, I just I'm glad that I saw it. Yeah. It led me to I want to see another movie from this era that they that that uh, Bill Simons talked about a little bit in his book mm-hmm. called Fast Break. It was like late uh, late that 70, sounds 70, really familiar. Gabe Kaplan, uh, Mr. Cotta. Yeah, Mr. Cotta plays this coach who apparently has yes. It's one of the coach narratives. Oh boy, is um, it a, is it a white savior? This sounds like probably. a white savior. Oh, I'm, boy. I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing from the synopsis that it's probably gonna go that route. Um, but uh, but yeah, he and Simon's. Um, I keep talking about him, but this is the only reference, really critically, that I have for this um, movie because it's not like Siskel and Ebert, you know, went went after this thing. Um, but essentially, there was a lot of tension on the set mm-hmm. because if you notice in the championship game, they're playing Los Angeles, of course, mm-hmm. and um, near near the end of the fourth quarter, it's like in the second half of that game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's huge, just sort of disappears in that movie. Like, he's just not even, like, you don't see any shots of him in the fourth quarter, like, anything, right? Well, he got upset on the set and was really unhappy with what was going on and, like, threw chairs and was really angry and just left the set. So they're shooting all this fourth quarter stuff without Kareem, like, anywhere around. And it was just fascinating to me to kind of read those uh, about those nuggets. Um, of, uh, I mean, this, this film sounds like it costs maybe a million dollars. Oh, I, you know, I should have looked up the budget, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, uh, but I can't imagine that outside of maybe salaries that it would have that it would have cost anything. It certainly wasn't in the production value. Um, I think they shot in Pittsburgh um, mm-hmm. at the old Civic Center, which sorry, Pittsburgh, there. we're not taking a shit on you. I promise. No, well, I you know, and and, and I think it's really funny that it is set in Pittsburgh because obviously Philadelphia with Dr. J had the team in Philadelphia, but it's set mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. And I'm sure that if, if you're a Pittsburgh native in the late seventies, the Steelers, oh, God, were the, yes. you know, they were ruling the day, right. Uh, as mm-hmm. the, as the sports franchise that you would get behind, because I mean, did the pirates even play there anymore? Are they? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're there. I'm they're there. A joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> that's a shot at the new NL central. Okay. That's okay. That's a, NL West. That's a shot at the central. I, 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 the pirates still have a team this year. Okay, good. Um, they, uh, uh, I would, I would imagine that they were living in the shadow, right. Of the mm-hmm. Steelers. And so it's even more comical, I think, to set it mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh because you just don't think about that as being a, an NBA Haven, you know, like a Haven for, well, people also forget, you know, too, it's like Pittsburgh is home of Romero it's you know that's that's where he he was a pittsburgh boy and that's where all those films were made and he you know really made that a place where indie films or any film really you know he he, he put pittsburgh kind of on the on the film map yeah it's 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 uh george romero and um fred rogers true because mr rogers neighborhood i think got uh got kicked off the ground there um around i could i could be wrong but i think that's correct um but i think yeah in terms of indie filmmaking pittsburgh has pittsburgh even been that should be the next question we answer on the next episode is how many times has pittsburgh okay been featured as the city or the setting in a in a movie 
it's probably not very much i would imagine well you um, know zach and mary make a porn not that i'm dogging on right? pittsburgh like, I, I just yeah, I, we're just I, dunking I, on I, pittsburgh yeah, all of a like sudden I'm, just no it's deserved none of this i'm sure it's a great town i yeah um i but, haven't spent uh, a lot of yeah time so they now. shot there it it was yeah it wasn't it wasn't um uh it, it wasn't for production value if it did cost a lot of a lot of money so um because it was pretty it was pretty basic i really would love to get a pisces shirt like a jersey shirt that says like pittsburgh pisces like you know like the the movie because that would just be a great conversation piece like to just be walking around and somebody go pittsburgh pisces what is that see that's that's the you difference tell them whatever you want that's the difference between you and i is that, is that you're willing to engage strangers where I, I'm just like, fuck off. But only on my terms. <laughs> right. Just like I have to look at him and go, hey, eyes are up here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on. Hey, I know the Pisces are fancy, but <laughs> eyes up here. Um, I wanna, those I jerseys you, were swagalicious, man. They were. I'm going to have to look them up. I'm gonna, I've got a note here to look them up because as usual during the show, I refuse to Google anything. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just, I'm just like, nope. Nope, I'm on it all day. Uh, I want to ask you real quick though. You, you mentioned Jonathan Winters. What the hell is Jonathan Winters doing yeah. in this film? Well, he plays the owner of the team, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and of course, he's you know, kind of supposed to be one of those bumbling, idiot kind of clueless, you know, team owners, um, stereotypical character. I, I just, I just kept feeling like every scene he was in, mm-hmm. I kept feeling like they were constantly trying to hold him back, like to not go and do, you know, a 20 minute improv, which I, I don't, I don't know. I, will you get somebody like that on set? Like I used to mm-hmm. say this all the time. Like if I ever got the chance to direct Robin Williams or, or some, somebody who like is really, really strong at improv, like you just let them go. Right. You just sure. let them do it. And then you can cut together because they're so specially talented at that, that you never know what kind of gems they're going to give you. And I'm sure it's true of, a lot of comedians, but, or, or even just talented actors, but Jonathan Winters is somebody who's known for that. Right. And, yeah. and just impersonations and character development and these weird quirky things, but he looks very restrained and frustrated throughout most of the movie. Um, and it probably was a paycheck. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, needed a swimming pool. A pay, a, a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I needed that new yeah, fence exactly. on the property. That's what I was, this uh, movie called The Fish or something. That's very right. My, my agent said, I, I told my agent I need $20,000. They said, Jonathan, I have good news. We have, have a role a for you. Perfect property. You know, that's what I love when I talk to or, or read people who interview actors, like professional actors. They're just like, oh, no, I had a tax thing. And uh, that's why I did that uh, direct to video Red Shoe Diary thing because uh, that was 10 grand. <laughs> I could just give the IRS. Yeah, it's people, people like, uh, I like to point to people like Wesley Snipes or Nicolas Cage or, you know, people who got into financial duress, right? Yes. Nicolas Cage, especially, and spent 10 years doing like 25 movies a year to try, you know, to just to, to, to make ends, uh, to make ends meet. No, I'm just working. Yeah, sure. Because sure. you need money, you know, I mean, uh, I, I get it, you know, I get it. I think I was more thrown by Stockard Channing in the movie oh, as well, yeah, this Mona true. character who's the astrologer she was a great actor still is maybe i don't know if she's passed away or not mm-hmm. but um she uh she she's really funny 
in this movie because you just get the sense that she's stoned or something the entire movie like while she's talking oh well it's good then it, then it probably just translated over to greece because she's a 37 year old teenager who has the all-time <laughs> greatest line hey Kaniki, guess what there's not a bun in the oven which is then the implication that we can fuck is it is it funny to you that all the high schools across america <laughs> will do Greece as a production because they think it's wonderful. And I'm like, do you realize the subtext that's in Greece? Like, do you understand like what drives that narrative? Not even the subtext. Grease lightning for God's sakes. That's not, that's not subtext. That's literal. (laughs) Every high school though in America. Every fucking high school. Yeah. Or or they'll show it to like their preteens, you know, the the what the version I'm talking about, the film version. Uh if for some weird reason anyone if you're listening to this program and you have never seen the film version of Greece with John Travolta and Olivia Newton John, please go watch it. It's it's again it's one of those insano if you think we're describing like the fish that saved Pittsburgh's insano like really break down Greece because it's just like this is this is nuts this is nuts that this got made yeah it really re- and made careers out of people <laughs> I mean it's iconic it's iconic and I, I just I've never understood I like Greece it's fine it's a fun little show but mm-hmm. uh, you know um uh bantered around the ideas once or twice of directing it myself mm-hmm. but uh I just couldn't really come back to it because I just kept thinking, this is how do how is this just so sanctioned by high schools? Like as a safe show that doesn't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. But well, I just I just want to throw it out there for you. Uh, if you did do the stage version, I'd be your Kanicki. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I was, you know, I'm only 45. Thank you. I, I can pull it off. Well, I think you could. Yeah, you I know, you I've got I the hair. I can grease it out. You know, put a nice, you know, Conway pompadour on. Oh my you god. You know, just throw some brill cream on there. I'm getting you it know? right now. I'm getting the image right now. See, this is how you win casting people. You just, you pitch That's it true. when you got the person in you front of you. Lobby. You lobby for the part <laughs> and you just say, I'll cut off my right arm if I need to, <laughs> to play that role. Yeah. Oh man. Um, well, on that note, uh, I think that's a good, a good place for us to, to give it, uh, uh, give our audience a rest, at least for another week from our uh, shenanigans, from our shenanigans. Uh, this week we had watched the Batman and the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Um, please, uh, you can subscribe to the show. If people now you can subscribe to the show. We're on, uh, we're on Apple. We're on Amazon. We're on Google. We're on Stitcher. And we got a couple more. We're still we're working on the website and, and trying to get the social media stuff down. So be patient with us. But uh, we, of course, also on Podbean. Thank you, Podbean, for giving us. Uh, that's where we actually host and the Podbean app. Uh, so you can find this show pretty much anywhere right now, uh, which is uh, uh, shocking that, that, that they will unleash us. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. Dr. Joseph Watson. There you go. Oh, bat voice. I was wondering when you were going to break it out. You waited to the end, you son of a bitch. Anyway, we'll see you next week. My father sent me to Rutgers And to be that I to be a man And though I settled down In that noisy college town On the banks of the 